I'm going to keep my money and buy me some good old Tennessee drinking whiskey with it. The When It Was Cool Podcast Network. Solid gold, baby, just like you and me. Solid gold, just like you and me. Whenitwascool.com. Your source for retro pop culture fun. Whenitwascool.com. Family friendly and fun. You too fat and out of shape. How did you happen to get in here? I ran here. You scared the daylights out of me last night. Seems like the truth shouldn't scare anybody, man or boy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to When It Was Cool Dark. I'm Carl Stern, your host. Thank you very much for joining me. I I have a special announcement to make here as we begin the show. For those of you who are fans of uh, pro wrestling, most of you, I'm sure, know I am probably best known as a pro wrestling historian, and I now have a book available for purchase. This is a softcover book as well as a Kindle digital book. It's called Dragon King Carl's 1983 Pro Wrestling Omnibus. If you're interested in the history of professional wrestling, 1983 is just about as important a year as ever has been in pro wrestling. It set up the Hulkamania era, which really launched the WWF, what we know as WWE, now to national expansion. And look, hey, even to this day, WWE is a huge uh, multi-billion dollar company. And uh, it's the time I'm recording this in 2023. I mean, the company's up for sale. There's been uh, lots of news about the company this year. And 1983 is really a pivotal year uh, that led to so much stuff happening. Uh, If you're a fan of other areas of pro wrestling, it was a phenomenally important year. So check that out at Amazon.com again. If you just uh, type in like 1983 Pro Wrestling uh, in the search engine, that should bring it up. Uh, If you go to the front page of whenitwascool.com, you'll see uh, an easy place to uh, order it there uh, through our Amazon link. And I hope you enjoy it. Now, here on When It Was Cool Dark, we are continuing our series of 100 of the Darkest Moments in Pop Culture History. And uh, today, I'm going to be talking about one that Quite honestly, I'd kind of forgotten about. I remember it happening at the time, uh, but recently my wife, Tanya, who's one half of uh, the When It Was Cool uh, family here, uh, she watched a, a documentary about this, and I thought, oh, wow, I'd completely forgotten that happened. We're going to talk about Johnny Lewis. He was an actor, and uh, you, uh, um, if you don't know who Johnny Lewis is, you certainly remember the TV series he was on because it was one of the most popular TV shows at the time, Sons of Anarchy. Okay, so Sons of Anarchy was a uh, gigantic hit uh, for FX. I, I love the show. I was, uh, you know, I'd grown up with motorcycle culture and ridden motorcycles since I was just a just a kid. I mean, I had my first motorcycle. I actually owned my first motorcycle at like fourteen years old. 
And uh, in the state where I lived, you could actually get a motorcycle license at 14 and drive it, you know, just like a car. I, I drove to school. I literally stopped riding the bus at 14 years of age because I rode a motorcycle to school. And I've had a motorcycle basically all my life to, to some degree or another. I, I don't know. I wish I've always wished I'd kept up with how many miles I've ridden a bike, but just in off the top of my head estimates based on trips I've taken, I'm sure it's close to a million miles. It's, it's very close to a million miles I've probably put uh, on a bike at some point. So when this show come out, uh, I was all about Sons of Anarchy at the time. Now, this was a ultra-violent show, very violent show, and it was based off the Hells Angels. Now, I've never been part of a motorcycle club or an outlaw motorcycle group or nothing like that. Come on, I'm you know not going to not going to be a criminal or something like that. And, and, and this show certainly was about running guns and drugs and, and uh, all sorts of improprieties, but it was a, a very captivating dramatic series. And uh, Johnny Lewis played a character called, uh, and again, parental discretion advised, I suppose we should say in this episode, because it is violent and it, we're going to have to talk some adult language and themes here. So if you got youngsters in room, usually we trend toward, uh, you know, family friendly and fun. That's kind of our tagline at when it was cool. It's hard to talk about this episode without talking about some graphic violence here because that's what's going to happen. Now then, presuming the children are safely away, uh, the Johnny Lewis's character on uh, Sons of Anarchy was called Kip Halfsack Epps. And Halfsack, uh, let's just, uh, there's no other way to come out and say it than he had one testicle. And he had apparently was, uh, the story uh, was he was uh, in Iraq and lost lost it in a I think an improvised explosive device and so he kind of had like you know post traumatic stress and he had this injury and so they called him half sack and he was in the first two seasons and uh, he was an upcoming actor I mean he was born October twenty ninth nineteen eighty three and the uh, his I mean this was his big break he had been in some stuff before I mean he had been in a Boston Public The Guardian American Dreams. Uh, several shows, Raise Your Voice, uh, where he was uh, there along with uh, Hillary Duff. And he, I, you know, almost more famously than any roles he had up to Sons of Anarchy, he was most famous for dating Katy Perry, the singer. Uh, this was before she really broke through to her, you know, mega stardom. But yes, they were in, they were an item. They were attached together for a period of time. I think for for like a year or so around the two thousand two thousand and six uh, time frame before he got the big break uh, for Sons of Anarchy, where he appeared in the first two seasons. Weirdly enough, strangely enough, he's going to be written off in season two. He's going to be killed. He's going to be stabbed to death in, in that series. Again, the series is very violent. He was protecting a, actually, his character was written off kind of heroically. Uh, in, in season one, he was a prospect, meaning he wasn't a full member of the biker gang. He was uh, a prospective member. And so he oftentimes had to do, you know, ethically challenged uh, task for the uh, for the motorcycle club for Sons of Anarchy, and by season two he'd earned his full membership, and then he's killed off uh, after that season. It seemed very strange because he was kind of a fan favorite character. Uh, people, I think, really uh, positively responded to him. He was, I won't say he was a comic relief character, 
but he was it did bring some levity at times to to the show um from what i understand behind the scenes he was not like the rest. He seemed like a very arts-oriented kind of guy. And uh, there was uh, the uh, the documentary, which uh, uh, Tanya had watched, described it this way. said, you know, the other guys would be hanging out on the sets of Sons of Anarchy. And a lot of the people that were on there were known for their machismo, known for their, their kind of tough guy roles in the past. And I'm sure many of them were involved in motorcycle culture and stuff themselves. And so they would sit around talking about motorcycles and talking about, you know, guy things and whatever, maybe shooting pool or, or whatever they would do between takes. And uh, Johnny here would, you know, be sitting around reading books, reading poetry, and said he just really didn't fit in with the rest of them. And he actually, weirdly enough, even though this was his big break and his character seemed like it had a really long future with the show, he asked to be written out of the show, uh, which was very, very strange. And then a huge downfall begins, and people still are really struggling to understand what happened. It didn't seem like he was a drug guy. In fact, he seemed against drugs and alcohol. Like he didn't really participate with that. There seemed to be certainly mental health issues involved, but to what degree? Um, there was a apparently a motorcycle accident he was involved in that the doctors, I guess, according to this documentary, said he really didn't show any, you know, serious long-term trauma, although he wasn't wearing a helmet at the time. Uh, but the, most everybody on this show, on this documentary, said he completely changed afterwards. Like, he changed and just literally started do, acting very, very, very bizarre. And this is leading up to his death, his death at the age of 28, under the most bizarre of circumstances. So let's talk about Johnny Kendrick Lewis, born October 29th, 1983. He either, he is killed, and again, very strange circumstances, September 26, 2012. Um, he, again, most famously uh, played uh, Kip Halfsack Epps in the first two seasons of the FX series Sons of Anarchy. And then he had, he had other television roles, such as played Gilby in The Sausage Factory, uh, Percy Chase in Quintuplets, and Dennis Chili Childress in The O.C. He also appeared in supporting roles in the film Underclassmen, Aliens vs. Predator Requiem from uh, 2007, Felon, and uh, The Runaways. In 2012, and the reason he is here on one of the 100 darkest moments in pop culture history is because in 2012, he killed his landlady along with her cat. Very vicious, very graphic murder. And then fell off the roof of the house they lived in. A couple stories, looked like two or three stories, to his death. Lewis grew up in Los Angeles in North Hollywood and was the middle child of Michael and Devonia Lewis. His parents were practicing Scientologists, and Johnny himself was a Scientologist for most of his life. After finishing school, he left home at the age of 18 to pursue an acting career. He began making television appearances while in his late teens with guest-starring roles in Boston Public, The Guardian, and American Dreams, among others. 
His debut feature film performance premiered in 2004 in New Line Cinema's Raise Your Voice, and he followed that up with Miramax Films Underclassmen in 2005. He co-starred as Percy Chase, uh, one of five siblings on the Fox series Quintuplets. He appeared in the movie Raise Your Voice alongside Hilary Duff. He guest starred in four episodes of the Nickelodeon television series Drake and Josh as Scotty, one of Drake's bandmates. And from 2005 to 2006, he played Dennis Chili Childress on The O.C. Lewis also had a small guest spot in the third episode of Smallville Season 5. He also starred in the Magic Valley 2011, which premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival. Lewis was well known for his role as the prospect biker Kip Hafsack Epps in the first two seasons of the FX series Sons of Anarchy. Lewis dated American singer Katy Perry from 2005 to 2006. In mid-2009, uh, Lewis learned he and his then-girlfriend actress Diana Gate were expecting a baby. The couple had split up in April of 2010 when the couple's daughter, Cola May, was born, but briefly attempted uh, sharing a residence. Lewis eventually moved out, after which the couple engaged in a long and painful custody battle that Lewis ultimately lost. So that's just going to be one of the first of the uh, neg negative uh, aspects of this story. Lewis was raised in a Jewish-oriented household, though his family also practiced Scientology. His parents attained the highest available level within Scientology called Operating Thetan, or OT-8. Uh, he starred in Scientology training films and was a sponsor of the Scientology drug rehabilitation group Narconon. Lewis left the Church of Scientology in his early 20s. Now, the downfall begins. Lewis was arrested three times between 2011 and 2012. In January of 2012, he struck two men in the head with a bottle while engaging in a fight. He pleaded no contest to charges of assault with a deadly weapon in the case. The second arrest came about six weeks after that, with Lewis accused of attempting to break into a woman's home. He pleaded no contest in that case as well. And, and, and this, the outcome of these cases are very, very strange. He was offered a very, uh, very lenient deal of essentially going into uh, mental health treatment for a year or spending a couple years in prison. He turned down that offer and fired his attorney, uh, basically saying, no, he did not want treatment. He did not want help. He wanted to go to prison. And it seemed, I mean, that's that's an ex that screams there is something almost medically, mentally wrong with the person. Considering the cases, a probation official expressed that he was very concerned for the well-being of not only the community, but that of the defendant, that Lewis suffered from mental health issues as well as chemical dependency, and that Lewis would continue to be a threat to any community he may reside in. Now then, the chemical dependency is, was much debated. Uh, there were some that said absolutely no way did he use drugs, Others said at the time bath salts were, were the, you know, the, the drug that was getting a lot of media attention, people acting 
incredibly outrageously on bath salt. I worked in law enforcement during the bath salt time. I can tell you it was an extraordinarily bizarre drug to deal with somebody on. People were very violent, acting in some of the most extraordinarily strange ways on that drug. Was Johnny Lewis using bath salts? Nobody seems to know or can really, really tell. But certainly there were some very outrageous behaviors there, whether it was from legitimate mental illness, a mental illness, uh, a brain injury caused by a motorcycle accident or some sort of uh, drug use. There was certainly something uh, very out of character going on with Johnny Lewis. Now, as it turns out, his very bizarre choice to go to prison or, or you know, I guess he's held in jail until he can be transferred to prison, choosing that over, you know, basically essentially rehabilitation turns out in his favor, but as sometimes happens in the case of early releases, not so much for the public well-being. Yes, he is released early from jail on September 21st, 2012. Turns out five days later, he's going to have murdered someone and he will be dead himself. On October 30th, 2011, Johnny Lewis suffered head injuries from a high-speed motorcycle accident. An MRI was recommended, and Lewis' father scheduled the MRI test twice, but Lewis refused to take them. Lewis' father, so I suppose, I may have missed this in the documentary, I suppose that then there was, it wasn't that there wasn't sign of uh, some sort of physical trauma, it's that he refused to take the test. So that is uh, complicating. Lewis's father also states that he, quote, pursued and encouraged psychiatric treatment for his son, and it was Johnny who refused to comply. He started manifesting bizarre and illogical behavior from that point on, concurrent with his ensuing legal troubles. Bill Jensen reported in Los Angeles Magazine that Lewis and his attorneys pushed for rehab for marijuana addiction, as if there's such a thing. When Lewis rejected this, they pursued rehab for alcoholism to avoid trial. So his lawyers are trying to get him into treatment, and he refuses. In early August 2012, Lewis was well enough to be granted provisional outpatient status, and he made a deal with the district attorney of San Fernando Court, his freedom for, quote, time served. Lewis was assured that he would likely just spend a couple more days in jail, no more. The couple of days, however, turned into nearly two more months, during which he suffered a severe downturn in health and spirits, and he was released from jail September 21st, 2012. Now then, Here's, here's, that's troubling enough as it is, uh, probably not a lot, enough to land him on the 100 darkest moments in pop culture history, but now we get to that. And again, uh, listener discretion is advised as the, the, uh, what we're about to talk about is quite graphic. On September 26, 2012, Johnny Lewis and his 81-year-old landlady, Catherine Davis, were found dead at Davis' home. Davis was known in Hollywood for operating the Riders Villa, a bed and breakfast for up-and-coming performers, directors, and writers inside her home. Lewis had previously lived there in 2009, but he had moved back in. Police were called by neighbors after Lewis violently attacked two people at the property next door, and Davis was heard screaming. 
Officers from the Los Angeles Police Department found Johnny Lewis's body on the home's driveway. Davis was found dead inside the house with severe head injuries, and her pet cat was also found dead in the bathroom. Uh, they were beaten to death with a hammer. Uh, very violent. In fact, the uh, the Los Angeles Police Department spokesman called it one of the most violent deaths he had ever seen. An 81 year old woman and her pet, extraordinarily just heart wrenching. Right? Neighbors reported that Lewis had jumped over a fence to the next door property, assaulted a house painter and the homeowner. Neither of whom he knew, by the way. These were just random attacks. And then he jumped back over the fence onto Davis's property. According to the Los Angeles Police Department, Lewis then either fell or jumped from the roof, garage, or patio of Davis' house. And, you know, this sounds like, well, you know, how tall was his house? Uh, you know, but looking at the video uh, and the photos on, on the, the documentary, the, it was like on a hillside. It was kind of like a hill crest. And it looked like probably from the patio and the window upstairs, if that's where he either fell or jumped from, or if he was on the roof for some reason, to the driveway. looked like a probably a three-story or better fall uh, to the paved driveway. So it was a considerable, uh, considerable uh, fall. Um, his death was investigated as a homicide. It was later determined that he had killed Davis, actually by manual strangulation and beating her with a hammer. Um, an autopsy report released on November 29, 2012, stated that Lewis did not have any drugs or alcohol in his system when he died. Which, let's pause on that for a moment and let's not take that statement as definitive. That probably is true, but bath salts were notoriously difficult to detect, if not outright impossible. And that was uh, one of the things we often dealt with. You would take somebody who was obviously under the influence of something extraordinarily uh, altering their behavior, take them to the hospital, get them drug tested, they'd come back with, you know, maybe low levels of marijuana or, you know, slight bit of alcohol or some prescription pain medicine, but nothing to explain this behavior. That's because tests were not really picking this up. Not to say that he was. Perhaps this is entirely due to a traumatic brain injury he suffered during this motorcycle crash. The thing is, we don't know. And as the, uh, the documentary pointed out, we will never know, I suppose, exactly what happened. It was later determined uh, that Oh, excuse me. Uh, he had a history of drug abuse, leading to speculation by his attorneys that the act actor may have suffered a drug-induced psychosis when he allegedly killed his landlady. Toxicology reports came back negative for alcohol, cocaine, marijuana, psychedelic drugs, or antipsychotic medication. The autopsy indicated he had suffered partial strangulation and had fingernail marks on his neck when he died. And these were believed to have been defensive wounds from the 81-year-old landlady who had probably reached to choke him back and, and clawed on him trying to get him off of her. There was no indication that Lewis had been pushed or that he jumped from the roof in an act of suicide. His death was ultimately ruled as accidental.
Lewis' family has spoken out about his history of untreated head trauma, leading some to speculate he had developed a psychological disorder which led to his sudden spurts of violence. When we come back after our break, we'll talk uh, more about Johnny Lewis, especially the time he leaves uh, Sons of Anarchy and more right after this. Excuse me, please. Let's don't talk negatively. Speaking of winners, surprise, surprise, WhenItWasCool.com is your home for retro pop culture articles and podcasts. To all our patron supporters, this is for you, Fannie Mae. Solid gold just like you and me. Family friendly and fun. WhenItWasCool.com Welcome back, and again, thank you for supporting us at WhenItWasCool.com. Again, I am Carl Stern, your host, and I uh, want to encourage you to become a Patreon supporter when it was cool. That is how we keep these shows going. And uh, honestly, this year, we're going to need to make some decisions about the shows uh, we produce. And if you enjoy Dragon King Dark, uh, we need you to become a Patreon supporter. That is going to uh, definitely go toward whether we keep this show going or not once we complete this series. Uh, so if you're interested in seeing this, uh, our Patreon support level starts at $1. So it's a very small investment, but it helps us to know uh, whether people are, are interested enough in keeping this show going. You also get input uh, when you can comment on our, our threads on Patreon and not to mention, if you come in at the $5 or more level, you're going to get instant access to over 2,000 other podcasts uh, dealing with pop culture, retro pop culture, pro wrestling history, if you're interested in that. And again, let me remind you of my new book, Dragon King Carl's 1983 Pro Wrestling Omnibus, Omnibus available at Amazon as either a soft cover or Kindle book. Hope you will check that out. Now, we return to talking about Johnny Lewis. And this is from the website cbr.com, Comic Book Resources. Uh, I, I have some issues with this website from time to time, and some of their, their articles are mm, a little bit, uh, I will say, not of my opinion. But they did do a, an article about why he left the series that I think is interesting. And so we're going to go to this. This was actually... From this year, in from uh, recently, February 6th of 2023, so it's a timely article, Sons of Anarchy, why Johnny Lewis Halfsack left the series. Sons of Anarchy actor Johnny Lewis asked for his character Halfsack to be written out, but the years that followed his departure were tragic. Actor Johnny Lewis portrayed Kip Halfsack Epps in FX action drama series Sons of Anarchy, given the nickname Halfsack after losing a testicle while serving in Iraq. Kip was eager to join the Sons of Anarchy motorcycle gang. Throughout the show's seven seasons, the Sons of Anarchy gang committed various heinous crimes in the name of Brotherhood. As a prospective member, Halfsack was usually relegated to doing menial tasks and grunt work. However, he got his hands dirty with the rest of them, committing crimes such as stealing an ambulance and taking bodies from a morgue, at least for a short time. Here's why Lewis left the show in the season two finale. Half Sack's time in Sons of Anarchy was short-lived. During season two, he became a true member of the club, but was murdered shortly after. When returning to the home of Jax Teller, in Season 2, Episode 13, he was followed by Cameron Hayes, a member of a paramilitary organization. Hayes threatened to kill Jack's young son, causing Halfsack to attack the man 
to defend the child, but unfortunately, Hayes stabbed and killed him. Like his character, Johnny Lewis battled his inner demons. Kurt Sutter told Alan Sepinwall in 2009 that, quote, Johnny wasn't happy on the show. Creatively, he had really wanted out of his contract. In 2012, E! Online reported that Lewis had been found dead after attacking several people and murdering his landlady. Los Angeles Magazine later detailed Lewis' history of psychiatric problems after suffering head trauma from a 2011 high-speed motorcycle accident. According to the report, Lewis refused multiple MRIs for the head injury or any kind of psychiatric treatment. His behavior changed and he was arrested three times between 2011 and 2012. The Associated Press reported that Lewis had been released from a Los Angeles County jail just five days before his death. While Sons of Anarchy was inspired by Shakespearean tragedies, Lewis' situation was a real-life tragedy. Sutter tweeted that it was, quote, a tragic end for an extremely talented guy who had lost his way. I'm deeply sorry that an instant life had to be thrown in to his destructive path. Uh, you know, this is, this is a, a true tragic tale. I mean, it really is. It seems as though, and again, these, these things are very different. You've difficult. You've heard me rail many times against the mental health system here in America. Uh, Tanya from when it was cool has, you know, very, uh, been very outspoken about her mental health struggles as well. We have uh, talked openly about this on our shows, and we even have specials on our on our uh, uh, Patreon feed. You know, discussing these, discussing these uh, various uh, problems and issues and trials and tribulations in dealing with mental health. And as a member of the law enforcement community for almost thirty years. Uh, it's it's something we deal with all the time. And uh, so we're put in these situations where obviously you can't let violent people just assault innocent folks, destroy property, and run amok. They have to be taken into custody if for no other reason than to protect the public from them. But an element of the law is uh, you for most crimes, you have to have intent. So to someone with a mental illness or a, you know, some sort of traumatic brain injury, can they formulate intent? Oftentimes the answer is no, they're, they're acting out. So what do you do with folks like this? Well, we don't have a real good system here in America or most places on earth, quite frankly. There's not a real good way. Uh, because of such heinous treatment to the mentally ill in, in the past, the mentally ill have a lot of rights. A lot of rights of which they're not sometimes capable of logically asserting or to forcibly lock someone up on mental health issues is extremely difficult. They have to make statements, usually to a doctor. A lot of times law enforcement can't even you know vouch for it. A lot of times ambulance personnel can't even vouch for it. It has to be literally in the presence of, of, a, of a probate judge or a, uh, or a doctor empowered in certain states. In certain states, it doesn't even work this way, that they intend, intend to harm themselves and have even gone so far as to demonstrate the ability or willingness to harm themselves. You know, so basically, if 
they are mentally ill, intend to harm themselves or others, and they just tell whoever's in charge they don't intend to, then they're oftentimes not locked up. They're oftentimes out roaming the public, a danger to themselves and others. Uh, there is a way in a lot of places, a lot of states, to step in and have them involuntarily committed. This has very famously been done in the case of Britney Spears, the the uh, the singer-entertainer. So that takes a remarkable course of action from their family. A, a close family member has to, uh, be it a spouse or be it a, a father or mother or something like that, has to step in and uh, they you, you and many states literally have to have like kind of a trial, put this person on trial there uh, for to see if they're a danger to themselves or others. At what point in time the probate judge or a judge can determine yes or no and, and who then is in, in charge, how long, if they should be committed, for how long, what course of action, all this stuff. It's a process. And it's a process that a lot of times family members don't want to be involved in because the mentally ill person will hold it against them, have specifically told them not to do it, or they don't feel like they're, they're uh, certainly nobody wants to be locked up. Who does want to be locked up? But at what point in time uh, does it, should it become, uh, you know, not their choice. And that is a, that is a very difficult conversation. And many times the family, of course, is estranged because of the behavior of the person with a traumatic brain injury or mental illness. They've, they've, you know, left or they fought their family or they've, uh, you know, something that, or their family can't be found anymore. In this case, a lot of times in homelessness. Uh, so what do you do with these people where there's nobody to sit in? to uh, step in, rather, and to have them involuntarily committed. Well, in, in Lewis's case, it, it appears that he did have some family, at least his father was there. So why did they not, uh, or did they? Perhaps they did and were turned down. Again, it's, it's not super easy to get someone involuntarily uh, committed. So perhaps they tried and it just uh, didn't happen, or perhaps for whatever reason, Someone that was obviously having a disastrous mental breakdown, a violent mental breakdown, and it cost the life of an 81-year-old uh, woman. It, it caused the assault of multiple people besides just the the uh, random attack on the neighbors. There were the people there at the restaurant he attacked with, a, I think, a glass bottle, if I remember correctly. There was about four people or so he randomly attacked leading up to this and then killed, murdered the landlady before himself dying in a bizarre instance. It's clearly, clearly there was some sort of intervention that needed to happen. But laws and regulations have just tied everybody's hand in these, in these circumstances. And it's a very difficult thing to, to uh, understand and overcome. Like, uh, many things with the law and law enforcement in America, abuse in the past of the system and the laws has led to such a loosening that some things that need to be uh, manifested in be it locking somebody up or keeping them in jail or sending them to involuntary commitment is no longer an option because courts have taken that off the table because of abuses of that system in the past. So it's a two-way uh, two-way blame to be had there, and there's no real great answer. If this Johnny Lewis situation happened 
here today, just a few years later, I don't know that the outcome may have been any different. Uh, we saw with Britney Spears where this was a very difficult situation there, and uh, many people had many different opinions. It appears as though she may very well have needed some sort of uh, guardianship uh, looking over her. She was making some very bizarre decisions, acting out in very bizarre ways, but then the people doing that seemed like they perhaps were taking advantage of her, you know, financially and creatively. And, and so what do you do? I mean, it's, it's a, there's, doesn't seem to be a perfect answer and our legal system and our mental health system and our medical system are all set up entirely wrong. And look, having dealt firsthand with this for so many years, law enforcement does not want to deal with this. We're not equipped to deal with it. You try to turn them over to medical. Medical does not want to deal with it. It's not equipped to medical to deal with it. So you put try. They try to put it over to mental health, and quite frankly, mental health is difficult. We'll just say difficult. Doesn't necessarily always have answers. Medication seems unreliable. Uh, it's a process. It's a process. And for those struggling with mental health, Ill, health illnesses, again, this is a thing that directly impacts my own household. Uh, it's a thing that is a process. It, it, it involves medication. It involves counseling. It involves uh, having family that can help make choices. But a lot of times mentally health a ill person does not want family involved. They don't. There's still a stigma involved, which is why we talk openly about this. And we don't want. There does not need to be a stigma. One of the the biggest things that can help the entire mental health situation is to remove that stigma. So there doesn't need to be jokes about being crazy. There doesn't need to be jokes about people acting bizarre. It needs to be taken seriously. And if the bizarre behavior is a result of drug abuse or alcohol abuse, many times that's predicated upon a mental illness. Sometimes it's just predicated on illicit drug use, and that needs to be dealt with as well. There's a myriad number of causes, and there is and it causes many, many, many problems. I don't know what the solution is myself. I just feel like the solutions we have uh, presently are there? I mean, I, and I speak this truthfully. They're not 100 percent effective. Now, maybe it's the best we can do, but there are so many laws and and uh, rights and uh, legal uh, legal maneuverings that compete against one another. It seems like to me one of the things that could be done to help the situation a little bit more is to more empower the medical profession, doctors on staff at emergency rooms and things like that, to have more authority to uh, confine someone who is mentally ill or send them to a confined f mental health facility or something like that. And yes, I know back in the Reagan era, we did away with mental hospitals and stuff, and they had their own problems and everything. But that also launched a homeless epidemic. And perhaps it's time to consider, to reconsider building a mental health uh, system of confinement that is more humane and, uh, and, 
again, someone who is extremely depressed doesn't need to be in the same treatment uh, facility or area as someone who has perhaps schizophrenia or like Lewis here has, you know, violent outbreaks or things like that. There, there needs to be a range of treatments and quite honestly, our mental health system, especially with the prolonged war against terrorism and all the mental health problems that our veterans have had, uh, the, the, the huge number and uh, more, more recently, the awareness, I think, of mental health struggles in the United States. These need to be, we need to have about as many mental health treatment facilities and uh, psychiatrists and um, counselors as there are hospitals and doctor's offices and things like that. So perhaps the pharmaceutical industry, instead of turning out more and more opioids and you know things like that, should be focusing more on the mental health of people, as should hospitals and such. It just, look, it is a mess. It is just a mess, and I, I don't have the answers, and I don't know what we do with it, and I don't know if what we do with it is any better than what we're doing with it right now. But situations like this, it is absolutely a shame it should occur Johnny Lewis wasn't treated fairly in this situation. Certainly his innocent landlady wasn't treated fairly. Certainly the neighbors who had to endure an attack from him wasn't treated fairly. The 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 law enforcement, the doctors, the uh, nurses that had to deal with him were not treated fairly in the situation. Nobody was because a system, a great system, does not is not in place for mental health treatment. That's too bad. It's something really, really, really... We need to be more worried about when we elect officials and stuff than some of the petty things we already argue about is, quite frankly, I don't, when you, no offense to either political party, but if you show up my door, tell me how many times you go to church a week or whatever, I, honestly, I'm definitely not voting for you. I want to know what you're going to do to help real problems in this country, not made up stuff we fight over. Okay. That's, so if you're listening to this show and you're considering running for public office, you're probably not going to get elected <laughs> that way. You know, people probably want to know your stance on 101 other issues. And many of these are important issues for sure. But a lot of the stuff, quite frankly, is very divisive. And that's just the, the way it is to pit ourselves against one another. I think everybody across the entire political spectrum can agree we need better mental health in this country, whether you're a Republican, Democrat, or like myself, think they all are terrible. Uh, I think we can, all can agree we need some help in mental health in our country. So that is one of the 100 darkest moments in pop culture history. Uh, tragic moment. Great show. I mean, violent show. And, uh, you know, not up everybody's alley, but I, I enjoyed it when it was on. Memorable character for sure. And certainly a, a cautionary tale. I will say that. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you will support us at whenitwascool.com. We need your support. We need your help. We need you to become a Patreon supporter. That is the most important way to help us. If you're listening to this show and you are not a Patreon supporter, please, I'm talking to you. If this show is to remain around and once we complete this series, which we're very soon to be doing, I would like to uh, to uh, reconfigure this series to go back to uh, mysteries and paranormal and science and things like that. That seems to be highly requested amongst our listeners. But the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we generate some more Patreon support. So if you've ever thought about it and you can spare $1 a month, hope you'll hop over there and sign up. Yeah, look, the, the rewards way outweigh the cost. 
over 2000 podcasts in our archives plus was hey look if you enter if you become a patreon supporter at ten dollars or more a month which is one of our upper tiers you're going to get a free digital copy a pdf copy of my new book i've been talking about dragon king carl's 1983 pro wrestling omnibus so if you're thinking about that hey you can literally kill two birds with one stone uh by becoming that's that's the cost of the kindle edition of the book so if you thought about ordering it hey you can actually Help us all out uh, by becoming a Patreon supporter at that level. So thank you very much for considering it. I appreciate you listening. Hope to see you again here soon, and we'll be back next week with another edition of the 100 Darkest Moments in Pop Culture History here from whenitwascool.com. Hey, everybody. Carl here from whenitwascool.com. I've talked to you a lot about our Patreon, which is the most important way you can support us. But let me remind you of what else we do. You can follow us on social media on both Facebook and Twitter. Grab the links off the front page of whenitwascool.com. Check out all of our free podcasts on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and other major podcast outlets. Check out Dragon King Dark, along with Stuck in the Desert Podcast, Uphill Both Ways, Wrestling with the Dog, The Thrash Metal Show, Life and Times with KZ, our new show, The Plot, Dragon King Carl Classic Wrestling Audio Show, Fireside Chat, and Hill Mustache Podcast, plus many specials every month. Go to whenitwascool.com for everything retro pop culture and more. Hit that Patreon link for premium podcast content. If you're looking for something fresh and fun to listen to, then bookmark whenitwascool.com.